0: the Paranoid American Homunculus Owner's Manual, Not for the Faint of Heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today.
1: Hello and welcome to the Horn One podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts you can find it at patreon.com slash the juan on juan podcast if you don't like the subscription based models there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode
0: Podcast with your host Juan Ayala. Prepare to have your mind blown. All
1: right, now we're recording. Now you can say hello, welcome. What's up, everybody? I don't know. If this is going to be, we to do a swap cast mark or something. I don't know. Whatever. We're going to
2: post it. Yeah, let's record. Boom. Oh, I'm going to do it too. Give me this. So I'll do it. Boom. The first post in a we're while. Back with Zerdus, exertus. Uh, I always pronounce his name wrong but he's used to it and the one-on-one podcast and the my family thinks I'm crazy podcast combining forces like uh like uh captain planet oh it's a mega homunculus
1: stars. dude
3: peanut <laughs> butter jelly your power combined
2: is, it is because i'm i'm up here in the northeast Juan's down south and you're all the way on the west coast so we're, I'm we're in the of...
3: frozen snowy beaches of california <laughs> it's very strange right now it's snowing yeah. not normal
2: well and i think recently there has been uh, an uptick in uh, anomalous weather uh, especially strange things in the sky maybe right. an impact on our weather system i started looking into harp and and what struck me i mean obviously everybody knows harp people have heard about harp but what struck me upon looking into harp was the similarity between what they're saying harp could do and what these uh, relatively unknown authors were saying that some stone megaliths were also doing right
3: it so is these interesting. Stone
2: megaliths are, are putting off a, a frequency that's like really hard to manufacture but the harp array is able to do it creates that 0.1 hertz uh you know and it's it's supposedly enough to make people go insane if they project that into a, like a specific pinpointed area uh Crazy, uh, some people suggest.
3: There's some thoughts on volcanoes. So, uh, Mr. Beast recently created or discovered Mount Shopify, if you heard about that. He went to Antarctica and, uh, you know, he had to climb a mountain no one had climbed before, which was uh, needed to be named by whoever sponsored him. So, he named it and he got to because you get to name the mountain you climb, he named it Mount Shopify. But going around that area of Mount Shopify and you start to see how crazy it is like the volcano that's in the background and the idea that there's this geothermal geyser that might have something to do with the energy that's produced and so many people will talk about how they don't believe in nuclear anymore and they kind of have come to terms with uh the petroleum oil company propaganda but that doesn't mean there's not radiation right and we're always talk. right now we're using radiation to talk to each other so the idea of producing thermal radiation or geothermal radiation. Yeah, here he is doing it. Hey, can you believe this kid? So it's funny you, you,
1: you guys... are cured
3: the blind. He's basically Alistair Crowley.
1: <laughs> it's funny you guys are... Mark, that you're bringing this up right off the bat because I actually wanted to talk about this because I've been seeing a lot of people lately posting about the animals in line, about all this craziness that's going on, and people really think that we're living the end of times. They really think that this is the apocalypse. This is the... This is the you know, I was always raised with... God's coming back another time. The rapture, he's coming yeah. back. And Jesus we're just, is
3: coming, look busy. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. So people think that we're leaving that right now with all this crazy. Well, like movies,
3: all the movies I've ever seen talk about the end of the world correlated with weather changes. Like crazy weather changes is part of every movie, right? It's like day after tomorrow. So the, the fact that it's snowing in Santa Cruz, the most palatable place in the world, you can't get through because they've closed the roads for six inches of snow by the beach – I mean, that, that blows my mind, but also at least places that people move to and you're like, why would you move there? It's horrible there. But you look back 300 years and the weather was different. So it could be that we're about to see some places that are super impalatable become very hospitable and other places that people have lived for centuries that have been climatically uh, pleasant become just torrential rain. I'm, I'm, I keep imagining, because um, I've seen some videos recently on, Ocean marine tornadoes, which emerge slightly different than hurricanes, right? And the fact that you can have something that's that intense um, because of the heat and cold distribution well, that is what we're experiencing right now. We're having these extreme hots, extreme colds. And even if you don't think about HARP, you just you mean a water spout? A, uh, n- I saw so literally a, an entire tornado that can go uh, across the water. It's beyond just a water spout. I don't know because I'm not, I know that in Florida. You actually have waterspouts, hurricanes, yeah. all these things, but there's there's something about a marine volcano that's like a specific kind of thing It's even bigger. I don't know what the difference is. Maybe they're the same, but it's I, I heard a, a marine volcano is was, a marine tornado is bigger. Um, it's but maybe f- yeah, maybe that maybe it's just the same thing. And this is spout. so synchronistic
1: because dude, my son he just turned five, and he's been asking the hardest questions to me. Man, it's been like <laughs> he asked me today what is the
2: purpose of fog and i'm like oh i don't know like i don't know what purpose fog Fog is is water <laughs> leaving the ground and going back into the atmosphere i couldn't A purpose I
3: is harder like you can talk about the the, the cycles of precipitation and condensation yes. but does that explain purpose like that's even more yeah he, and oh, then yeah.
1: he asked my wife the other day he's like why do volcanoes erupt He's asking oh like all these weird questions, like, okay, well, they erupt because of the magma that builds up. But he's like, well, then what's magma, right? Like he starts to ask all these other
2: questions, well, and just start calling him Doc Ayala. He's gonna be a scientist or something.
3: He's gonna dude. break through and find out the truth. I've, Did you guys I've see the thing on? Him. You should always homeschool, oh, my God. But did you see the uh, – so Leonardo DiCaprio put out a documentary uh, recently on the Wakari – I think it's called the Wakari uh, volcano eruption. Did you hear about that?
1: What is – So,
3: exactly. dude, so type in W H A K W A R I Wakari, W-H-A. W-H-K – W-H-A-K-A-A – two A's more. Hold on yeah so i'm like you'll find it there it is so basically this thing went off and oh i saw the a- documentary yeah you did yeah so there was like a group of uh tourists on a cruise line and the thing used to erupt all the time then it was once every 10 years and every three and they figured that out the time they were there and it erupted and it was like 450 degrees you know 200 centigrade for a- you're in an oven of a, a sulfuric steam for minutes and some people survived, but not many. and a lot of people died. And just the most horrible possible thing you can imagine. Um,
2: completely because brutal. The temperature just went up.
3: They walked up to the thing. they're like, oh, it looks like it's uh, it's usually this beautiful color, but it's kind of white. there seems to be some well, let's get our selfies. We better hurry up and get our selfies and move along. And then the thing just went. And there were three groups on the island: one right by the thing, one near the end of the thing, uh, one in the middle of the road. The ones right by it, worst possible story you can imagine. Um, you know, a, a child made it out of his family. Uh, the other ones, a w- husband, a wife, was very Pompeii. And then the group by the ocean, they got into the water, and then they just went down and dived underwater for as many minutes as possible while they tried to rescue them. And, um, yeah, everybody was pretty, you know, some pretty serious problems because it's basically boiling you from the inside out, right? Like you're baking. So, Yikes.
1: Yeah, I did see this one, and I, I, was, I started watching the Nepal avalanche one, the, the earthquake when they were climbing Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah. that's that's wild. Can you imagine? I mean, these people, this guy was talking about how his skin was literally hanging off of his body from how hot yeah. and like it's just i can't even imagine my, well, my dad I
2: wanna know is is why when we oh, we're at the mr beast video why were they walking with gloves off like like they, it looked like the wind was kicking up a bunch of snow and the camera guy's gloves were off i'm like and then they're like yeah it just went below 20 degrees that guy's hand should be instantly frostbitten yet he's holding a camera
1: uh-oh like,
2: I'm curious what's going on. I'm not if you know I, you don't have to replay the video, but I'm like I'm wondering if you guys saw that and have any thoughts about like was he in a part of Antarctica where there was like glacial heat or something or like a what is
3: well, there? There are places where it's really warm now, right? Like there are places where it's warmer in Antarctica than it is in Canada. Like that that was a joke that was popular like ten years ago. They've shown some evidence of it, and they're not allowed to urinate anywhere they have to bring bottles of everything they go so you won't find much evidence of the the proof that they were there which is also interesting but there there probably are points where it's palatable and then it goes extremely cold because it's basically a desert it's not as much of the desert as it was 50 to 100 years ago there's more weather in antarctica than there was 50 to 100 years ago why
1: couldn't they pee there what's the purpose of that
3: uh, You know, I, I'm going to just guess that it's some sort of United Nations, like, loosest trust white magic treaties thing, but they basically <laughs> don't want them to mess with the environment, you know, earth first, buddy.
1: Sure. And then when you go to Mount Everest, it's there's literally dead bodies on there that they haven't been able right. to take down. And it's literally a pile. The trophies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley climbed Mount Everest. Did so, he? Yeah. So there's that. I feel like there is something to that, you know. Oh yeah, but... dude,
1: and I know Mr. Beast is shady as far as like the first rituals that he was doing. Didn't you talk about his this name, mark on your on your his show, His
3: name is Mr. Beast. Is that he's a nice seeming guy, but his rituals are weird. Yeah. Have you seen him say what do you say, Kanye West a million times? No, it was
1: it was Paul, uh Paul. What what's his name?
3: Yeah, the influencer guy, Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul. He said his name like a million times like summoning him. That was horrifying yeah no
2: i didn't i don't think i talked about it i think a guest of mine brought it up and then somebody in the comments uh or someone on Telegram was like how could you talk badly about Mr Beast he cured the blind and I'm like <laughs> I didn't even that, know that like the guest talked about that I don't know Mr. just Beast.
3: but just saying that just saying that is the reason why I'm suspicious no shouldn't you be sus- I mean, here's the thing I'm not yeah. even I'm not being critical here I'm actually kind of complimenting I'm saying credit where credits due this is a brilliant magician as far as I can tell he's doing magic in front of everybody in a way that's in plain sight but out of mind that's the most powerful form of magic and he comes off as not powerful when he's so powerful that's brilliant i don't know that seems like Taoist brilliant so i, I can't just say oh well because he's doing that he has to also be doing terrible things i don't i don't know that for a fact and he does go around doing a lot of good things. But isn't that what the Antichrist is supposed to do to make <laughs> you confusing? I'm not saying he is. I'm just. Uh, nice
1: boy. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. No, yeah, I've heard somebody talk about his logo. I think I might have been your guy, Mark, that he talked about the logo being the tiger with the lightning bolt. And the where did I hear this? I'm, I know I heard it somewhere.
2: If it was on my show, don't expect me to remember it. I, I have a hard to He goes to deep. My guests say it. It goes in. It goes in somewhere, but it's just hard to recite.
3: Yeah, I know. I think that's that's interesting though. When you think about how he did it, you know, he became. He, people say he gamed the algorithm. Well, that is also kind of a, you know understanding how magic works. Mm-hmm. He, giving money away, giving you know the more power you give away, the more room there is to give you more power. And so he gets into a trend. So it's kind of brilliant and it's karmatic. And if he doesn't know it's magic, then I'm surprised because he's been on Lex Friedman and he could very well be more. Um, he could be as simple as he pretends to be, but I just doubt it. Right. Like it's, it's kind of like the geniuses who make children shows he's and just he making a child show. He
1: got on Logan Paul from that video that I just showed of him saying Logan Paul a hundred thousand times. I believe he made it onto the, the, I'm going to look it up now but something happened where they either recognize him or he actually got on Logan Paul's radar because of that video. So it's almost like how you're saying you attract it. You're putting it out there. You're doing ceremonial magic in front of an audience pretty much. And then yeah. you do these mantras or whatever it is. And bada beam, bada boom. Next thing you know, you're manifesting it. And now you're on top of the world. And if you notice all his videos are like almost hum- humiliating these people, like, haha, stay in this house for a hundred days and then part of that was like, let's take away stuff every, every week or every day until you have nothing left and see how long you can survive for money. And it's like, ah, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of squid Gamey ish You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it was- kind of weird, man.
3: It's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, but it's what people love also. So that's the other, the other tragedy is like humanity feeds off this. This is the thing we're feeding to humanity because that's what they want to eat. Um, you, me, Mark, we've all made shows. They're, those shows aren't as popular. So there's something about that. It's It could just be that people haven't all gotten the opportunity to hear from us, but it might be that people really like this stuff or there's some reason why they're hypnotized by it so much. And I don't know, I, I'm not saying that humanity's just there's no there's no hope, but we do have to c- consider that. It reminds me of when Obama ran against Ron Paul and it was like the truth movement. And the obey movement, and it just seemed so obvious that the truth movement—you just tell people the truth, they're going to get into it. That's people, will, but no, obey Pepsi. People loved Shepherd fairy they loved the aesthetic. Obey, you know that was what became. Obey was more popular than the truth movement. That I'll never forget that.
1: Yeah, and especially when you're some lizard politician, that it—it's not they tell, but they do tell you what you want to hear. Now if they're telling the truth. That's a whole nother thing because they say a lot of things to get in that position. And then once they're in that position, they do absolutely nothing, or they do the opposite of what they've been talking about and campaigning about for the whole time. And then people kind of sort of turn a blind eye towards it and completely forget about it. And then we do it over and over again, ceremonially every four years. And we do it over and over again, where we elect somebody Four years, they're there for four years. We, we do all this stuff for four years and then we do it again and again and again. The system never changes. And I just, I, and this is, I'm talking about this because I just did an episode with Michael Wong where we talked about the the paradigm shifting, the meta paradigm shifting, where as long as you accept this and keep accepting it and don't make room in your life in order to stop it from happening, you're not inviting a change in your life, you know, a, a space for change. Cause you're always on top of it. But once you start to recognize that you're able to make a space for change where it's, you know, whatever that changes, it's able to enter itself. But that's easier said than done in my opinion, because it it's everybody around you is indoctrinated. And you know, it's like Plato's cave, the allegory where you, you come out and you come back and you're like, Hey guys, there's more out there. They're like, oh get the fuck out of here. You're, you're you know, get out of here. We're going to watch the shadows on the wall. And we're going to continue to do that until we die, I guess. And some people like being in there. It's it's secure for them, right? It's it's security. It's 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 safe. It's they feel nice, and they like that the government caresses them every single night. And
3: I mean, I feel like shadow puppets could be better. Is the problem? You know, we could have a better. And this is the problem with lexicon and the language that we use, the kinds of experiences that other people have, and they make these abstract word symbols based on that we're learning from. We are living in Plato's cave, and our language is kind of the. Uh, evidence of that, the way we communicate, the lack of understanding of words, you know, seven words for love turn to one, all these kinds of ideas. Uh, it destroys our ability to think in other forms than the words that we're taught we're allowed to think in. And this could be an escapable problem if it weren't for the fact that everybody who comes along and masters neuro linguistic programming or the magic of communication tends to use that skill to control it themselves. It's like, Never just okay, now we're going to break free. And if it happens, people aren't as interested. You, people don't go to magic revealing shows as much as they go to magic trick shows. People like magic tricks. Again, it's just something about humanity that I could be wrong, but I seem to notice that otherwise people would go more to see how to do magic tricks or something. I don't know. Am I wrong? So humans will just put up with it. And at some point, that's also why I don't hate AI as much as other people often do because humanity lets us down so often the elite let us down reptilians let us down whatever it is but humanity does as well just by when we tell them the truth them refusing to do anything with it Ugh, so yeah i kind of just think the future might be i mean if ai <laughs> takes over the world how bad is it if they completely destroy the human language for a generation create a new language and then lets us start thinking in new words because it's not as bad as every other time it's ever happened before. It's at least maybe as bad, but it's not as bad.
1: Have you ever gone a whole show without talking about AI Exertus?
3: <sighs> yes, but it's been a long time.
1: <laughs> so what, do you, what you are your thoughts? Hold
2: on. You kind of remind me of, and I was just watching the animated X-Men series, so forgive oh, yeah. me this is a dated reference, but you kind of remind me of Magneto, the way you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if humanity fails us mutants, then we'll have to depend on only mutants. Thank
3: you. That's oh. exactly the better metaphor. I loved Magneto. I think Magneto gets a really bad rap, and that's well, he kind of part of the problem.
2: he's a good guy. I mean, he's Professor X's buddy, and, and they end up, you know, seeing things differently and, and become enemies, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah that-
3: one of them sees it from Dachau, right, I think is the... <laughs> well and, perspective uh, shifts. well yeah and that's it i mean
2: it's it's kind of like the um the social justice warrior thing where magneto is like a victim who's playing out this vengeance uh that he you know whereas doc uh you know professor x is more like uh hey let's uh let's be the bigger person let's let's walk take the high road you know um anyways so <laughs> didn't mean to No, I just villain. I um. I
3: I I think villains are more interesting a lot of the time. I mean, but the dimensionality of it's also a nine rand atlas shrugged. There's this idea of uh, John Galt and the X Men are the former like where's John Galt? kind of they're they're the former men. So they're in the future. They're building this new solution, and you have this older oligarchy which are not great. That's what we find from humanity, and it requires sympathetic. Uh, x-men it's still going to be x-men and x-men it's not humans it's still they still get lost in the Mm crisscross
1: so so i brought up ai because uh, it's been on the crosshairs as of lately right with ai art and some people talking about i had i recently had kaylee on and she was talking about how saturn's return is gonna do and we were talking about astrology i think astrology might be a little gay and fake but that's just my personal opinion (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: My personal
1: opinion, but the idea
2: fake. Hey, 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 put that one in the quotations. Hold on, <laughs> F-
1: fake and gay. Yeah, it's fake and gay. So they w- we were talking about Saturn's return and how Saturn is going to be entering and how that is the planet that controls materiality and and time itself. And how she said that we're going to enter this place where we won't be able to decipher reality from. Fiction, essentially. And that makes sense because what's happening right now in our community? You got people falling for AI art of old world stuff. <laughs> There's. You're muted, Exertus.
3: That's already been a problem because people were already falling for any fake news memes in the 70s and 80s. People would fax each other pictures and put stuff up. National Enquirer uh, is kind of the second and third generation of this this idea that hey we'll put some truth in it behind the fake picture so that that way we can get the information out there but people will still think it's fake enough that they can sleep at night and i think we're seeing this with facebook uh is this true you know is this the there, Bat this boy people checked
1: was this the Bat boy right people?
3: Right, right right bat boy God, I wish I could remember. I feel like Mark again. You had a guest that talked about this, but there's some weird truth to Batboy and to the
0: yeah, genetic modification story.
2: Well, maybe, maybe you're going in a different angle. But Lon Strickler talks about how there are humanoid uh, owl men that fly around Chicago. Right. That's what I thought of when you when you said that. But uh, maybe you're thinking of a different episode.
3: Still, it's a nice thought, you know. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out how to play this for you. Let me see if I can get this to work. Audio hijack. Hold on. But keep this. going for a second.
1: Obama. Obama appoints Martian ambassador. Flying cats terrorize. So I was just in Tennessee, and apparently I was in the uh, a dog man sighting hotspot. Now that we're on the Bat Boy talk, and there's something weird going on in Tennessee, and my fishing guide. He was talking to me about how he's seen portals and he's seen, he's seen things come out of them, And we were allegedly on a river that he's seen Bigfoot like three or four times. So he took us fishing on this river. We were fly fishing where he's seen Bigfoot and Dogman. And I think isn't Tennessee Oak Ridge the home of the Manhattan Project or something or other around the uh, like that? Are
2: you talking about the Red Oaks Arsenal or something like that? no let me i have the i have literally arsenal oh the a manhattan project i'm pretty sure was at los alamos is where they did like the testing
1: no so manhattan project national historic park information it's in oak ridge tennessee hmm yeah dude it yeah. <laughs> sounds like magneto
3: whoa <laughs> yeah, i'm gonna mute you bro <laughs>
2: Dude, he just magnetoed the podcast.
1: You just broke like space and time and you're collapsing reality right now as you speak, bro. So I
2: saw magneto rings flying out of it.
1: Dude, so here it goes. So, so I had heard it right. So what did Oakridge do for the Manhattan Project? The y two plant Oak Ridge used the electromagnetic separation method developed by Ernest Lawrence. da da, da. Okay. So yikes. There's something, dude. There's some weird stuff going on, and in... we don't,
3: you know, exert a star.
2: So fake and gay what the fuck is that? a <laughs> AI song bot. You
1: <laughs> can hear the
2: soundbot, we can't hear you, uh exertus.
1: He is the soundbot, bro
3: back in okay but that's the it future of what it is. that's the future is what it is it's gonna take me a while to get it perfect but that's not sample based that's all ai trained on voices you know in order to create a synthesizer that sounds like a human being basically so we're pretty we're pretty close and i've already done that with my own voice but to oh, get what? It...
2: people out i don't know if you're close to <laughs> Winning a Grammy, I mean, you might be close to figuring out another way to hit the brown noise, (laughs) but yeah, no, I don't know, dude. I was actually more interested
3: in that than the Grammy anyway, so that's just fine, but I want some Uh, of those binaural brown notes, but also, yeah, if a Grammy comes along, you know, I don't think anyone else, who's selling records anymore, so for hipsters. (laughs) So, I mean, there is a lot, it's changing though, because we're finally no longer trying to figure out how things work and we're letting computers just study it and the more that that happens the more information comes out of it that we can learn from so we're becoming a different species through learning this new information we're creating a new kind of intelligence that is artificial and we're becoming that so it's it's also important to recognize that we're not the same people that we were 20 years ago even more so than your parents aren't the same people that were around a thousand years ago where we've changed more in the last 20 years than people really probably have before that. And just in our wet wire programming, but so e- we e-
2: are X-Men kind of. Yeah. I mean, Fucking some people Mark more and so
3: look at, but like, so you think about the Chinese and the Russians and the French and the super soldier Caribbean Island programs, right? There are, there are people that are taller, bigger, stronger, uh, before talking about neural link. And that's something to consider as well. How does that change your brain that you're relying on parts that weren't there before? So we are becoming a different thing and it will be harder to empathize with these older stories. It won't make sense to us why people did the things they did because they won't have the same rationale or the same uh, you know, process of, of picking what they're going to do. I think that that's a big change that's coming as well. And, and yeah, also the uncanny valley is probably for predators to stare at us and for us to know that they're not human it's getting
1: obliterated though the the uncanny valley is getting uh, obliterated at the further we go into this and the 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 further along we get and i actually named an episode that the destruction of the uncanny valley because where does it stop but then how you're saying it's almost like history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes because we go through these cycles right now. Everyone's talking about oh, it's the end of the world. The AI is taking over. We can't discern fic- fake from reality, et cetera, et cetera. But then how you said in the 70s or whatever with that newspaper, people were probably thinking the same exact thing. In the 1930s, yeah. I'm sure they thought that that was the end of the world with the Great Depression and the the crashing of the stock market. But then we still we're still here again.
3: People used to complain about newspapers. They're like, oh, no, people are going to just be staring at these newspapers all the time. They won't be talking to each other. You know, It's not like a lot's changed. People are antisocial. People are social. The thing that changes it the most is plague season. Yeah, you, know, you can tell, oh, this is also kind of interesting to me is how many more robots we're starting to see because all these things are different. Robots are machines. That has nothing to do with AI, right? AI can be your university education. That's an artificial intelligence installed on you. But the third eye thing, that psychic thing that humans have, can robots have it? And I think the answer kind of is yes. AI can have it through robots and through all of these sensorial systems we have because collectively it's able to experience and measure the entire environment and also other senses. It's able to feel what another being is feeling. So with Neuralink singularity of emotion is going to be more important than singularity of consciousness because they're going to be aware of where everyone else stands in the system
1: this, this... but these
3: are homunculus right is yeah dude the point? <laughs> that, was, that was fake that was not real. well dude so what there was someone oh, just shit. said they saw a boston dynamics robot on the highway doing some work um the the other day i saw a video on instagram yesterday so there are there are out there doing things and there you can buy a chinese boston dynamics drone that i've seen from alibaba pretty cheap It's like five grand or seven (laughs) grand to get a gas powered one and they're gasoline powered a lot of these because they run a lot longer than the lithium battery they still have to have a lithium battery to run onboard motors and stuff but most of this cranking and pneumatics is all gasoline powered um like a two-stroke motor
2: they're building the sentinels basically
3: yeah, but that could be that could be useful. I mean, hey, drones are also just put a, an AK on top. What of drone, a great no, deal! Alibaba, AliExpress, pretty cool, pretty cool thing that exists. There are some uh, things that have changed in the last ten years, right? Since Trump, uh, last five ten years, you can't buy certain things from China without tariffs. So we are isolated from each other. You can't get the Shenzhen treatment you used to, but um, that's okay. The the thing about it is, with technology, you will soon not need to build a drone at all because everything will be built into everybody. That's kind of what I'm saying: is that AI, robots, all this stuff, it's not going to matter very soon. Because, and th- okay, and then the term for me here is MAGA, but it's MAG No, make great AI. no, it's no. Mega. That's what they're doing.
1: It's make esoterica
3: great again. Mega. Oh, me- how about meta? Make esoteric Tartaria again? Or something? I don't know. <laughs> make earth tartary again esoteric got to go in there but the point is the same ai it's not just again it's really just ai we're about to build an artificial intelligence that we all are part of it's a new way of thinking and it's going to replace everybody and everything including these sentinels or robots it's not really the point and i think we're constantly thinking oh wow the big problem here is a human is going to take control of this thing right So it's actually in everyone's best interest to make something that humans can't take control of. That is its own independent thing. Or is that, what do you think?
1: I'm with you. Absolutely. But every single movie that we've seen, Exertus. Yes. It doesn't end well for us. (laughs) Right. Frankenstein's monster. He will stalk you and kill everybody you've ever loved and watch you from the outside Until he's destroyed everyone around you, so I don't know. I think that there's deeper truth. What's up with the faces, Mark?
3: (laughs) Well, I'm making faces too. Are you kidding me? Because you're the homunculus guy. You're the one telling us to be careful. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Wow, you
2: must have been doing some like dramatic reading by candlelight next to like a stormy window or something. You sound very poetic. All of a sudden, you're like really black pitchforks.
1: Well, no, because because Frankenstein's monster is is it is very poetic. It's it's about the evolution of something, and people really take it. They're like, oh, Frank, he's Frankenstein. No, no, he had feel. He learned language. He learned a language, and he learned to love. And then they took all that away from him, so he was pissed off. But the hum, part of the homunculus, the golem, the golem is the one that does things for you. But even then, that one can still go out of control. The homunculus, it's supposed to serve you one hundred percent. And then you sacrifice it for the magical power, for whatever that is, to do your magical. Or you can let it grow into old age and it'll become Bigfoot or or, or a goblin or a giant or something. because Going
3: to that, I'm curious. So they don't always kill the homunculus? They sometimes don't, he gets to ride off in the sunset? Yes,
1: that, but... sometimes they get to ride off in the sunset. And if you think about the leprechaun, a leprechaun is a sort of homunculus because part of the homunculus lore is that it, he leads you to gold. He leads... Huh. And there is a story, bro, that a spiritual creature led Edward Kelly to the Voynich Manuscript. He, le- he was led by a spiritual creature. So was that a sort of homunculus, like an astral homunculus or something? But the point being that, yes, some homunculi grow and this would account for cryptids or dog, you know, we're talking about dogmen in Oak Ridge and portals opening I've always
3: up. felt Gargamel was like, so if Gargamel created Papa Smurf, I know that doesn't make a lot, <laughs> but hear me out. And then he was a homunculus who got away. And then that's where all the Smurfs come from. And he's just like, we got to stop this. Cause it's my own fault. It's like, it adds a level, a dimension to Gargamel's whole problem there. he's
1: definitely an alchemist. I mean, he's got the attire for it. Oh, clearly. So yeah, he's
3: trying to eat them slash turn them to gold. These are, these are things alchemists do with homunculus monkey lie.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a hidden, a hidden story behind all of this. So yeah, they, they could be considered magical little beings. So part of alchemy, and also it involves eschatology to the end of times. Because I talked to Jay Widener, and they deciphered with Vincent Bridges, they deciphered this the cross at Henday, and it supposedly was pointing at this cataclysm that's to come, and a place where you're supposed to go to avoid it. In Peru, mm. so right,
3: yeah. Well, so like the Quechua have the stories that they lived for a hundred years underground in Peru. The Bolivians also have a story outside of Titicaca that they were in a, a cave for a hundred years. About this is a remerged, a reoccurring idea of this. Uh, uh, you know, what is it called? The ancient apocalypse Netflix show that Graham Hancock has. That there's that's always- racist. <laughs> Right, super racist, because how could people build their own temples? But around the world, there are places where people have had these stories that there was a reset and that they went underground, usually underground for like 100 years. And Peru is a place where they say they have infrastructure set up to do it again. Or also, like in Telos in California under Shasta, they're supposed to just be people still living underground, which seemed weirder until we grew up in the 90s and heard about military, discrete underground military bunkers, right?
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, so alchemy is also supposedly related to this eschatology. And then he brought up also Fulconelli and the volcanoes and how there's something also about volcanoes and these lava ducts where he says that they look for that because of the crystals and the way it's acting all together. And they pretty much, it opens up portals of some sort. I mean, and this would make sense that a lot of ancient cultures would worship these volcanoes. And I've also heard absolutely. Yahweh was either a volcano or a, a dragon or something. You ever heard about that before? The vo-
3: yeah, absolutely. So the idea that Yahweh and his wife, I forget the Heretz article I found that talks about this, but the ancient Sumerian Canaanite um, versions, there's a husband and wife deity, and there are two mountains that erupts. In, and so also that the original... Asherah? Uh, f- yeah, I think that's right. Ashara, Asherah? Something like that there but there's statues of them together and at one point abraham or abram is going to be killed because he's going to be sacrificed because his father Tarek is it right i think Tarek's the father of abram he's supposed to sacrifice him he's a soldier and that's why he ends up in the cave so plato's cave is kind of abram's life because abraham was in the cave and he wasn't allowed to see all the idols and then he goes out and he makes the symbols he makes his job for his uncle is to make the symbols and the idols. And then he says, you know, we really got to get rid of idols altogether. And that's kind of the beginning of uh, also this monotheism, but it's not really monotheism. It's uh henotheism, H E N O, which is the idea. That, so if you believe that there are many gods, but one of them is the greatest God or your God, mm-hmm. right? So do, do not have other gods before me kind of imp- it's it implies there are other gods. It's just that this is the one <laughs> God. So you should only worship this god. At least you should. And that's that's henotheism. So Christianity, Judaism, Islam are really henotheistic. Islam can sometimes have sex and so can fundamentals Christians that are have deviated from the fundamentals, but technically they're not monotheistic and the idea that abram's cave really emerged this idea that we remove all the symbols that comes back to that idea that they were forging his these caves were these uh, volcanoes were used to forge metal they were metallurgical and they had a copper period before the bronze period which we constantly are trying to explain away but if they had better more sophisticated technology and they constantly went to places after eruptions too so they were looking for places where volcanoes had happened because they had figured out that there were resources that you could get from those places. But even today, if you look up submarine mining or submarine volcano mining, you'll find that they, and also um, volcanic plume. I wish Brittany had, I should have asked Brittany if I knew we were going to get into volcanoes, but volcanic plumes, there's all sorts of these natural looking plumes that come off like organ pipes. They create these plumes and they've actually attached to them in order to get natural gases right out of volcanic plumes. And so there's lot, lots of many millions of dollars to be found in these jobs of uh, tapping volcanoes. And if you go on Google Earth, you can type in, I think, probably uh, volcano mining or some find the names of some of the companies. They have these rigs out in the middle of the ocean, which is just a square kilometer that's just straight down to the ocean. And it just looks like this um, scaffolding place right in the middle of the sea. But if you go down underneath it, then they have these abyss like like james bond villain looking underground underwater uh construction sites with apartment buildings and working infrastructure basically everything that glenn uh glenn maxwell was working on for terra mar these are very common because they can get gold they can get resources that we think of as being rather scarce emerge out of volcanoes
1: I think something else was going on with just with is it Jizz Lane or Giz Lane? Cause I got fun, I got made fun of. I
3: mean, the name Jizz Lane is fun, but I thought it was Glenn, Glenn or something like that. I could be wrong. Glen. Glen,
1: Gillane, Well, I, why the hell G-Lain. was I saying Jizz Lane for what, whatever? Anyways, Gillane. Cause it
3: sounds right. It Fuck, sounds like her. You, you don't, you don't, you don't pronounce it. Of-
2: yeah, but you don't pronounce it Jilligan's Island. You pronounce it Gilligan's <laughs> Cause all Gilligan. right. Cause why this was is, the, this is the
3: joke. This is the joke that I wish someone had made earlier. Like, um, where does Lolita Express land? On the jizz lane, you know? It just seems like, I don't know. It's a bad joke, but it just seems like it's essential. Listen, so I think
1: some, because Mark brought this up on an episode I was doing with him, and how they all had, all these elites have submarine licenses and how she was teaching other elites to pilot their submarines well, I think that there's something going on. He was like, "Well, they're just going underground to underground tunnels and and stuff." And I was no, like, no. "No, no,
2: no! Don't just don't throw me under the bus." I was saying, "Why are they learning to pilot submarines so that they can access this other breakaway civilization that has like probably underground an underwater basis through
1: port through portals, bro? It's
2: interdimensional Submarine portals."
3: Right. Stephen Hawking's the whole thing, I mean, if you look at a submarine, you put it next to a spaceship, they're pretty similar ideas. And, 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 and if you were to put a submarine in space, once it's past that all this uh difference oof. that we're calling everything, Van Allen belt, everything else, so, right?
1: And and here's the thing, because I always reference why did James was it James Cameron take X amount of years to make the next Avatar, which I still haven't seen. I gotta, it's, it's, who the hell has three, to go
3: underwater first? Who
1: has man. three and a half hours? I need a babysitter for three and a half hours plus, anyways. But the idea being that he either was given this technology by extraterrestrials or he stole it or what's up with that, because that always piqued my interest of like, he took 10 years because he wanted, he invented the technology that it took to film that movie. Just bananas. I mean,
3: there's something really strange about his underwater expeditions and the fact that he made Titanic. It's just such a... Titanic is such a specific... Did he really? That, that's the weirdest thing about, about him choosing the story about the Federal Reserve. And it's not like he doesn't know about it. The movie's very clearly starring and she's constantly whispering these are these people these are those people he's here with his mistress those are all the names of very important people who died who were involved with the federal reserve so the movie implicates the um jp morgan check out these names mentioning it.
1: the terminator where we are talking about ai right <laughs> orion the pictures. abyss
3: think about the abyss the abyss is like fraggle rock for grown-ups i mean the idea is- is that we would stop the soviet union and the Cold War,
1: Terminator Two, bro. We're we're just talking about this. True Lies. This is
3: this what? is a bit light. This is light here because we're missing Terminator Two Point Five or Two Three D. Like the we, he made a three D Terminator movie, that was a short film in the middle there after Terminator Two, before uh, Titanic, and that led him to decide he was going to do three D all the time. But three D is not this is this is the other thing. Three D is not that big of a deal yet, and it will be. I bet you. And here's why it sucks right now because we're trying to use big screens, which just it's not as immersive because you're in a thing and you're moving around. The screen's not moving. But if you take a Blu-ray 3D movie and you play it on your PlayStation with the, the headset, then that is the most realistic 3D experience you will ever have. As you're moving your head, the 3D is moving with you because you're getting like 210 degrees out of 180. And you'll never have a more perfect 3D experience. So all of a sudden, when people realize that, 3D movies are going to become more popular again. But it's going to take probably Cameron or somebody and these uh, the, the death of the theater for people to really care enough about that technology.
1: I recently did an episode on zombies and I, I talked about how the cinema magicians use theaters as simulacrums of caves, and we know, we know that secret societies use caves. Right. And it seems like the zombie topic really strikes a chord with some people. I got some really angry messages about it, and just people voicing their opinion against the topic. And I'm like, hmm. I don't Why? Know. What
3: was the problem that well, they had with that?
1: So one of the problems was because right when you when you're. On a platform and you're talking, you're going to have people who listen who have different point of view. So if I talk about a virus or a contagion and evolution, well, you got the crowd that doesn't believe in evolution or the crowd that doesn't believe in the viruses. So it's like, oh, automatically they focus, they hyper focus on the one like, dude, I've done presentations on. Parsons, And I'm telling you all this crazy magic shit that he did and all this craziness of how he was having sex in the desert and Elron Ron Hubbard and all this stuff. And they were jerking off on parchment. And then I mentioned one thing. I was like, oh, yeah. He, he invented the field that put us on the moon. The only comment this dude really thinks that we went to the moon, bro.
3: Like, right, right, right. You know, there's this uh, when <laughs> when when Jerry Seinfeld accepted the award for best Commercial Writer, right for marketing Marketing Award, he was talking about how uh, he wants his favorite moment is when he sees an ad on TV. And right when he buys the thing and he's waiting for it, up until the thing arrives. And when it arrives, it lets him down. But that's okay because it's been two weeks and he's gotten to process it. And then he moves on to his next dream and he buys something else on the TV. And so that's why marketing is beautiful. This is not how most people work. Most people will like not buy stuff. Then they'll buy the thing finally thinking it's too good to be true, but they really need it. It's not the thing. And then they just stop believing and this is a problem with most conspiracy theorists or a lot of people in general, they become cynics out of pessimism and they just throw away everything. They're like, okay, well, this wasn't true. So everything is not true. And the entire thing isn't worth looking into what truth can be found in it. And so that's the end of the discussion. And it's so sad because imagine saying, you know, like nuclear power is not real in the way that we're told it is. So therefore don't look into Chernobyl. Don't look into these – it's just so clever, right? And the same with space, right? Hey, space isn't real, right? So don't look into unidentified flying uh, – what's it called? UAPs. Don't look into um, –
1: Unidentified aerial phenomenon or something like
3: that? The idea that aliens don't exist, right? Because space doesn't exist and aliens don't exist, you're totally safe, right? It's just you and us, and we're working together. So, I mean, to me, it just gets even closer to docility. And you have to be able to question yourself and be like, okay, even though I know this is a lie, it's a lie about something. Mm-hmm. So there has to be something there that they're lying about, and that's so important. Um, it gets lost along the way.
1: I don't know if, but- I ad- if I admire or not the people who aren't into any of this crazy stuff. I, I look at I look at what I consider a normal looking person, and I think to myself, "I go, I wonder if that dude's thinking about reptilians right now." He's dropping off his admire
3: community. is a fair word, yeah.
1: You know, what I'm saying like they, they don't have their head. But then, He's just every
3: thinking about nothing. When people are just walking around, they're like, when they go from their car. To pick up their bag and back their car and there's not a single thought in their head. I'm like, dude, that is so much Bhakti. How did you do it? I'm walking. Yeah. I'm
1: like the homunculus that they put together. He was sacrificed. <laughs> and I I am, you know, what I'm saying like people who live uh, like I, I heard somebody c- compare themselves to Patrick Star the other day where he lives under a rock. He doesn't watch news, doesn't care about anything. It's like Patrick Star is happy, right? I mean, relatively happy. He's he's but he's, he's kind of happy. He's kind of dumb, though, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. I mean, but that's the thing. So you could say, you know, um, you know, vaccines, viruses aren't real, so I'm I'm safe. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, I could say that evolution isn't real, so it doesn't matter what I do from my day to day life and the choices I make and the people I breed with and whatever, right? Like I could just, it doesn't matter because evolution isn't happening. Nothing's happening. Choices aren't happening. There's no evolution from one moment to the next, like at all. There's how far you take something. Mm -hmm. you you can you can agree with me that the way you were taught in school about okay but in school today they're not telling you you come from monkeys that's not a thing what are they
1: saying nowadays
3: i love this also because planet of the apes i just recently rewatched planet of the apes like the original and the new reboots with james franco which i thought were underrated actually i kind of liked them
1: i I did too loki
3: yeah yeah totally but the thing is the story goes that there's a uh missing link and they're always joking about that it's not that we come from monkeys It's that monkeys apes and humans and ho- and homo heidelbergensis homo floresiensis uh the neanderthal that a lot of things all came from a, sing- a similarity and that there there are genes that are similar in there and that's not untrue i can take and i've done this you can take a coffee machine apart like a mr coffee you can take tell you can take pcr uh, expressions from spit saliva or from blood, and you can actually duplicate them by heating them, cooling them, heating them, and cooling them over and over again on this thin film on a, a, a petri, dish, petri dish, and then you can uh, take photos of this and you can see the different sequences. Then you can digitize that, and you can actually use an index with BioTwist uh, genome compiler, was what it used to be called, or promoter CAD. And you can see like series of sequences which are similar or dissimilar to other sequences. So I'm pretty convinced that the mechanical clockwork of DNA exists, and it's so it's more about how much they have control over it. And obviously, they're not making the giant corn with the GMO. So <laughs> I hear you; they're not doing the things with it that are super magical. But I've seen we've made at BioCurious Lab a kind of algae that we put a a fluoro marker in so it was uv active so it would glow essentially like the uv jellyfish right and all it took was you find the sequence you put it into the software you open it and you change it in promoter cad so that it matches the correct kind of life form you send it to japan they send you in the mail a virus uh you put that into the algae And then it changes the DNA. And when it starts to replicate, it has a new expression. in it. So
1: designer viruses, bro.
3: Right. Right. And so this is important. These things do exist. You can have blue hair. There will be consequences. The world is changing. Future shock is coming. Um, And we're already experiencing it. So I don't know, like just ignoring it is the answer either. But the other thing is the zombie thing appeals to people because our whole society is on the, edge of depersonalizing each other? How do mm-hmm. we deal with the fact that we're going to be up against each other and we're not friends anymore? And the easiest way. And you look at all the buildings, they're designed to they're zombie proof. You go to any supermarket where they have the bell tower. Why is there a sniper clock tower built into your local supermarket or above your bank or your credit union? You know, I mean, clearly they've got this nice wooden facade, but these are concrete cylinders or cinder blocks with a a steel cable. And you've got underground, we've seen all the (laughs) undergrounds. So one of the safest places to be is suburbia. One of these like supermarkets like Walmart or something, they're going to be, Costco, they bring down the metal shield and they're ready to go. So, I don't know. I think that we're already expecting uh, this entire society to be z- uh, zombified. And even just looking at the municipal buildings, like you look at a parking structure and how it's designed by the same people who designed your local municipal prison. And all it takes is the chicken mesh to turn it into a human processing facility. Wow,
1: dude. Okay, okay, okay. So, the Greyhound. I forgot who I was listening to, but I think I might have been. Tony Merkel show or somebody where they were talking about how, when the causeway cannibal here in, in, in Miami happened, supposedly they overheard the cops talking about like, Hey, no, no, it wasn't even drugs. It was something else. like it was something else. Right. And I think that by these cinema magicians creating these chimeras, which that's essentially what movies are. They're presenting these id these the Id- fiction, right. This, this parasitic, you have a parasitic relationship to it to where once they point yeah once you yes yes and part uh, did he did he did he peace out exodus? did you peace out i was about to say something really cool bro i need you to hear this hey
2: say hey it, say it. he'll be back we're here so
1: the the reason why people in the 1930s and the reason that movie theaters stayed alive for a lack of a better term is because of escapism and what it is is people would go to the movie theaters to escape this reality of the hardships that they were going on during the 19th of the great depression and they would live in the through these movies through the actors that would portray these lavish lifestyles so it makes you think why when this whole thing happened in 2020 why the theaters never went out of business and it was a meme right and we have the idea of memetics and how things are spread through culture and through society and all these things and and that that triggered people bro like there was people triggered about like no that's not
0: true bro
1: and they're just angry i'm like dude you're 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 playing you're playing the part i mean this is all i think part of the 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 and i don't know if it's a sinister agenda or not but I think it's whatever you make it. It could be sinister if you want it to be sinister. And I, and I think that's an also another problem with the conspiracy realm, which what we're facing right now, I've literally had people texting me about how it's like, hey, dude, the world's ending, man. And they're making yeah. predictions and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I don't know if I would go that far as to say it's ending, but... Are some hard times coming along? Absolutely. But I don't know if it's the end of times. So, Xerxes, what did you hear, bro? Because I talked about how escapism in the 1930s helped people escape from this reality through the movies. And that's part yeah. of like a mandala. I
3: have a, I have a book somewhere I want to grab. Uh, oh, I'll have to find it next time. It's about Jesuit staging. and Oh, like you a, said a, it, not me. Yeah, but you were talking about this is what the theater system is and the movies really more than anything are Jesuit staging. You go in and you imagine it through the role of each of the characters and you can watch it again and think of it through the role of the other character and it's pushed even harder um, by Jesuits than anyone else. For instance, the idea that there's no small part in a, a story, right? That's That kind of theatric is uh, considered to be objectively better Storytelling, but that's really just Jesuit storytelling and what did right?
1: Shakespeare say the world's a stage
3: <laughs> all the rules of stage men and women are simply players so everything is a Dharma right so it's also something the Veda says so Whoa. I mean we're we're playing our Dharmas and there are roles that we play and it's kind of funny how you could be like how did this person do this to me? how could anyone ever do this and then very soon the universe puts you into the position where you're doing the exact same thing only you're doing it and you totally understand how okay oh that's how huh. Weird. I didn't even feel that bad doing it. I thought that they would, I would <laughs> oh, weird. The universe does that to us all the time. Right. And I think Jesuit staging is designed to convince us on one level, on a very simple level, to believe certain things, to logically understand that this is a weaker argument because the versions of us that are thinking these thoughts, we have emotional characters and those emotional characters are measured by their rhetoric. And then eventually the more funny and more entertaining and more captivating and impactful character wins the, and that becomes the logic and the more people who agree with it. And that's a, that's not a new way of convincing people to believe in something. Right. But also theater is designed to uh, like the Pope got up and started clapping when he saw Kubrick's 2001, a space odyssey and said, you know, this is someone who truly understands Jesuit metaphysics. The, the idea of, Wait, is that true? Connects- That's totally true, right? And so these kinds of things happen because they're trying to tell us what we're supposed to believe. They have an abstract understanding of that, though. It's not always very logical. So the movies are... The other side of it isn't just teaching us, you know, the cowboy wears the white hat if he's a good guy or whatever, the black hat if he's the bad guy. The lessons become more like Hellraiser or these other films. They're creating this energy that you put it's into an
1: egregore. It,
3: an egregore and that is a it's also I mean I want to compare it to the Horcrux and Harry Potter but it's yes. a magical talisman because you're putting yes. your energy into it and you're putting your fear and your Ooh. fright and your Shrek the Shrek is also as you find with Satanism they you know Anton LaVey's daughter changed her name she's no longer Zena LaVey she calls herself Zena Shrek because she married uh, Sh- I forget his name something Shrek Wait, know, like the, the ogre right but the ogre name comes from the german word for fright or yiddish word for fright and the book even which became the movie that spielberg bought the rights to was written simultaneously to shrek's interviews with charles manson so there's this idea that there's an emerging um discordian subgenius alternative to satanism that's aside from michael aquino's temple of set right because temple of set is satanism without jesus and we don't need Jesus if we're going to be Satanists, right? They're they're trying to be Egyptian and get rid of the Judeo Christian allegory. It's, it's very New Age, dude. So but, all right, so exertus,
1: because slow down, because you do this, you you like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, let's, let's take it a step <laughs> at a time. Calm down, little homunculus. We're we're gonna get there, bro. Okay, the little train that could. So you're talking. that one. This is Shrek the Satanic fairy tale, really. <laughs> what is this why you Absolutely. made a shrek video one time dude
3: totally what? well that was also mainly because i like smash mouth was the reason i did that but it all is that that's the answer in a lot of ways when Whoa. You get
1: out of dude there's there's articles like scholarly articles written about this on JSTOR. <laughs> what yeah
3: i mean when you find out that uh you know the band cake that cake is alistair crowley's witch cake but whatever the thing is with with shrek Shrek means fright and getting to the primordial fright is the child's fright is the more true, they think, truth. It's the truth that is emerging from the Tao rather than our overanalyzed theocratic understanding of it, which might be too generalized and might be including misinformation. So they're arguing that every time it happens, the noble Tao is not the eternal Tao. And so we need to focus on the contemporary fright. The, the contemporary instinct of the child, and that is emotion. Is this the guy you're is, talking about, Nicholas? Right, Nicholas, Nicholas Shrek. Yeah, he. They're no longer married, Zena and him, but um, they were, and he. She kept his last name, so that also says something about himself. Yeah, right.
1: Whoa, dude.
3: She, she is interesting. She's she interesting, is interesting because imagine.
1: I've heard that she is the byproduct of her and wasn't she like
3: Taylor Swift clone from the future sent back in time no i'm just kidding but no it wasn't
1: she like an like a sort of incest baby or something like that of her... I...
3: there's a there's a kind of a moon child ritual that goes on uh, and she's a, was also complicit or victim you I know mean, look at it as a child okay. to yes, a number of some crazy rituals but she, you know she That's not even the thing she's most upset about. And she does Tibetan Buddhism now a lot, which is her main focus. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting how close Buddhism is to Levain's Satanism. And these kinds of sound rituals, what she does now is she makes these sound rituals which she records as an album or an event. It's kind of like a concert, but it's a... It's a ritual and a spell.
1: Yeah, but but the East powered the 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 West. I mean, they they got their ideas from somewhere. You know, the, the, especially when yeah, it yeah. So to Tibetan
3: Tibetan Buddhism gets a lot of its ideas. It's funny because people think you know Tibet, China, you know, has got it from India, but really it's the African or the Egyptian, Sumerian, like the Patahotep books of Setian magic that make their with the book of the, the Tibetan book of the dead and the Egyptian book of the dead are correlated. And it's very interesting that we don't make that correlation, that it's not a very, um, you know, Sino-Asiatic religion necessarily. It is Indian and it is African.
1: I wanted to talk about – so back to James Cameron because I pulled up the video here of (laughs) –
2: I just – point out that it's weird that you guys both separately mentioned books that I partially was near this week. The Voynich Manuscript, which is in New Haven, and a, book, a copy of the Egyptian Book of the Dead is also in New Haven. I was just over there yesterday in the, in the manuscript library. Is it at Yale? It, is that one at Yale too? Yeah, and remember that guy Chad Stempke who talks about the Stargate portals? So apparently, the same architect who built the Stargate portal in Detroit built an underground sculpture garden right next to the memorial gar, uh, m- the the rare book library. Uh, uh, yeah, I just found that the other day too, which is interesting because it's a, it's basically a portal uh, in white granite uh, ba- built underneath this uh, under the ground level next to the library.
1: So. Okay, all right. This is this is where we're. Okay. I want I want to run run something past you, Exertus, because this is and this relates to the Voynich manuscript. Because,
3: Portals at Yale are totally possible.
1: Okay, but hear hear me out. The idea that the Voynich Manuscript, as you read it, you experience some change within you because they say that the, some people say the pages are made of poison or something, ink, whatever it was used, something like that.
3: That's uh, the plot from the Care Bears movie. If you read it aloud, <laughs> it comes alive. No, but, but really. Hear I me out, Exertus. So
1: it, it relates to that because I've I've dubbed this interdimensional literature. Because there are books, quite literally, I mean, look at the Holy Bible, whichever version you want, that shapes people's realities. Because we've talked about the paradigms and being essentially a reality tunnel of some sort. And if you're not shaken from that reality tunnel, you're not going to ever exit. So you are in Plato's cave in some sort of weird way. But the way that all of these... Books of antiquity have shaped society today, have shaped religions today. We are still talking about things that, let's be 100% honest, we don't know if they happened or not, okay? You have the Mahabharata and the Vadgavita talking about epic wars and lasers and nuclear weapons and and brother and the blue people and the Vamanas and all that. Do we really know if that happened? But yet people will believe that and quite literally die for those beliefs, because they've been solidified in these books. You know what I'm saying? Like It's it's, it's something yeah. about, and I heard an occultist telling me that vowels hold existence together. And that when it's written down, it's solidified in the ether. And it makes I'm
3: it I'm usually true. pretty convinced that people talking about things mean that there's something, regardless of it's the thing that we're talking about, something is being talked about. There, there's a lie. That means there was something that the lie started about. It could be a completely different story of telephone game by the time we get to it.
1: True but, lies. James Cameron right. made the movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So I, I get the feeling that if there were giants or advanced civilizations and that they had flying ships at some point, that the stories could make it. And at the beginning of uh, Reign of Fire, that movie about the dragon, he's telling the story from Star Wars to the kids, right, to remind them what it used to be like. And it's this legend of you a know, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So we, we do also take a story and we encrypt in the story something but also by encrypting it people change parts usually that don't matter so you can change it from a young white boy to a black teenage girl and it's fine that actually doesn't impact believe it or not like that might only upset the demographic without destroying the metaphor and it might make it possible for the metaphor to go to a new person so it's totally fine to mess with stories in certain ways because the deep seed to truth might make it on. And I think that that could be said about the, the Veda, the Veda has so much data that's accurate about so many things about metrics, about math. Um, The, the, the things we have today still though, like nylometers and algebra that kind of prove that there were things, we have these weather patterns that exist. That's all that we can go on. And who's to say anything happened ever before but I'm more inclined to take that than just say that we just were born today. Although simultaneously, I believe basically everything is happening right now. So anything in the past is probably happening right now anyway. And they're all correlated because we need them to be in order to make our processes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's what Joseph Campbell's a hero with a thousand faces. I, essentially, every story is the same thing. They just... Change up a little bit. It's alchemy. I mean, they they have yeah. the formula down. They just add a little plot twist in here, and there's nothing new under the sun. And you know, they just they just switch it up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I've thought about that before, and how you can believe that. I believe that stories are interdimensional in a way there there's the exoteric and then there's the esoteric you can either choose they they present the exoteric bullshit to the masses that they're not going to know how to decipher it or read between the lines but the ones in the know the ones that are paying attention are able to extract that esoteric knowledge from it and i mean that's that's alchemy you look at the pictures are cool they're cool pictures but then the initiated know about their their deeper meanings and they're able to extract whatever is being portrayed by these pictures and i mean true lies right that's funny i have the, the the video pulled up here of cameron going into the the bottom of the mariana trench and it, it reminds me how you talked about the submarines being similar to rockets and i mean what a better way than to like flaunt in people's faces like oh well you can't go to the space well you also can't go to the bottom of the mariana trench right here he is getting in his little submarine
3: Picard, um, Jean Luc Picard's based on an actual submarine. Well, there's a guy who went up highest, and then his son, I think, went deepest in the ocean, and that was, I think, Cameron's goal was to go deeper than Picard. Oh, so there is something about you know it's, it's constant, and also you know Star Trek calls their boat their their ship the uh, the Enterprise, which is based on the HMS Her Majesty's ship. Enterprise, the Queen's boat.
1: Oh, look at this Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Of course.
3: Mount Everest, and then the bottom of the trench.
1: Wow. So do you think we went there, or do you think it's fake too?
3: I'm all about the trench, and I think that, uh, I don't know about we, but I can see Cameron going there. I
1: mean, you know what I mean. Somebody called me out for that too. What do you mean, we? You didn't go there. You know what I'm talking about, bro.
3: But that's what you know, Mark, what do you think? I mean, any reason why he would fake this? Like why why not just go to the bottom of the Mariana trench? Isn't that exactly what uh living your life is all about? Trying to accomplish things like that, good or evil?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really read into this unless there's some sort of like British lore about what's at the bottom of the trench. I mean, that <laughs> might be interesting to see if
3: well, yeah, that... the portal to Agartha, right? That these are the best ways in.
1: The kaiju, bro, the kaiju what are, are coming in.
2: What did the person who discovered the Marianas Trench like say about it? You know, that'd be interesting to know. I don't think it was faked. I mean, I live in Connecticut. We're like famous for submarines. So I've seen submarines. Really? I, know I know they're real. Yeah. The inventors of the submarine uh, were in Connecticut. Like the first guy to, to make a working submarine, it was called the SSH something turtle. And, uh, and it was used during the civil war. It was basically like a barrel with a, with like a pipe going up to the surface and one of those like, you know, looking glass things, periscopes. Right. So, you know, it was very rudimentary, but it's funny. The native Americans did the same thing. They would use a a reed straw and float themselves under water past enemies. If they (laughs) needed to. So there's some, there's some logic that says maybe they saw that and said, Hmm, that's a pretty good idea there. You know, let's, create something like that uh you know so anyways yeah the submarine base in connecticut at groton is like you know i don't know probably leading in submarine technology in the world so
1: so i'm looking here so it was discovered sounded during the challenger expedition in 1875 using a weighted rope which recorded depth of
3: right there challenger in 1875 so challenger's got to be this uh hms probably yeah an hms style boat her majesty's ship style boat oh okay so i got you, the, I all, you. The, all the spaceships are named after hms her majesty's ship style boats huh
1: so this guy so, william benjamin carpenter so an uh, invertebrate zoologist and physiologist so, is that i say right physiologist yeah yeah It was instrumental in the early stages of the Unified University of London. Interesting. Okay. So, huh. And then it was under the supervision of this other guy, Charles Wyville Thompson, Scottish natural historian and marine marine zoologist. He's chief scientist on the Challenger expedition. His work there revolutionized ocean oceanography and led to his knighthood. Hmm.
3: Also look at Guam. Um, Look at the flag of Guam. And you have a second, because it's very—it's just north of the Challenger, um, dis- s- discovery spot, and the flag is the uh, where the most... is the area look at this?
2: French. I thought it was near England. No, no it's it's be <laughs> a...
3: the Philippines, and this is also oh. why the Philippines wars were so important. You guys know, of course. Do we talk about this? How they the the um, mock battle of Manila.
1: No, Whoa. we'll have to
3: talk. About. We'll do that in a second. So let's start with this. First off, we'll look at that. We'll go back there. So this is important. Basically, okay, go back one more picture to Guam's flag again, and just look at it really close because it's hard to even really think about it. But look at that. Any picture here? Zoom in on it. Look at that vulva ellipses and the <laughs> trench that goes down right, and the boat that's going down right. So this is a pretty interesting flag. And it's a military territory of the United States at this point. Okay, now go back to that picture again of the Philippines. And you can see this is, A, a it's a key location in a major spot. B, you have these spots where things open up and you have a trench that goes so deep. And then on the other side of the trench, the waves hit, I think it's probably like 100 feet. Whoa. Of, so the it's so high to so low that it causes tsunamis and huge waves constantly. So it's also a major surf spot, but it's all, it's also a major spot for fishing, and there's just all sorts of crazy stuff that happens there. It's also very close to Japan's um, Devil's Triangle, Yonaguni, um, yes, Atlantis stuff. Yeah. So this is this this is one of the major spots. This is the other Atlantis. It's not so Atlantis.
2: Is this like analogous to the way like they say? Atlantis is in the Caribbean around where the Yucatan Peninsula had like that asteroid impact, right? What's whatever the mm. crater down there in the Caribbean is. Like we kind of have two we have a, a pattern here where like ancient civilizations are near these like crater areas or these chasms. Like maybe something they did opened up the crust of the earth or maybe <laughs> right. that, that that was the cause of their downfall, you know. This so, is this is yeah. natural you think yeah <laughs> absolutely
3: well because otherwise that'd be racist because then you'd be saying indigenous people know how to build stuff i guess that's what you get in trouble for now but um basically when you look at the mariana trench or some of the other trenches you see this okay they're 11 miles deep eight is it 11 kilometers deep eight miles deep eight miles and seven up, yeah yeah look up the soviet union deepest trench or type in Newest deepest the trench off, in the world. Off. There's two different ones. There's an eight mile deep, eleven kilometer deep. Seven point nine. Under
2: ice though, the Vostok. It's like under Lake Vostok or something like that. Well,
3: they drilled it and then they decided to stop uh once it got so deep. They called it the Shrieking. This hole of yeah, the Hell Hole is or, it called? Or this the this one, hole? the cola the, boor, co- the uh, cola super deep borehole. That's it. Oh, when I was thinking, so okay the Cola super deep borehole was drilled in 1970 and it took years I think until the 80s and then they gave up in 1983 or something like that yeah. I don't yeah. know but they if you go careful if you listen to it on your computer because it's super loud but on there if you go down the page there's some sound of the borehole um, if you go down
2: like in the like the, the hole makes a noise or what the drilling sounded like no it sounds like
1: people screaming bro. In yeah. the, front
2: of the
3: Bottom of the hole.
1: Yeah. It
2: sounds like hell. It literally
3: yeah. just sounds like hell. It's, I'll it's
1: I'll, a... I'll play it here in a second. I'll make sure it's not too loud. But yeah, it sounds like hell. It sounds like when you listen to Saturn, the frequencies from Saturn. It's like. Yeah, and how far? Do you know how far the Godzilla place is from here, from the Mariana Trench? <laughs>
3: so the I mean, in Agartha, it's supposed to be accessible from <laughs> um, Tibet, but. Shibala, but also it'd be accessible from all sorts of locations, right? So it could easily be accessible from there as well. And so if you've got the Marion Trench is about eight miles deep. The cola borehole is about eight miles deep. Um, there's another new uh, thing. Scientists go deeper than ever before. They go nine miles or something like that now with new drill. So there's a new hole that they just did last year or the year before. Um, I think it's 2021. So there's there are all about the same depth depth and profundity these these boreholes or these these holes going down to whatever layer and that makes me think yeah there's probably about 11 11 kilometers down access perhaps to some place we've seen on BBC and NPR the biggest sea in the world the biggest ocean in the world the biggest lake in the world they're all subterranean they're all underground and there's even places where there's just sediment that's super saturated where it's basically like dirt or mud that, but do, and there are things that are living in extremophiles at 500 degrees uh, living in mud. So things are down there. We know that it could be all kinds of crazier things than that. The stories are that that's where people lived during the reset it's worth looking into.
1: Yeah. Where does Godzilla come from? He comes from the bottom of, is it the Pacific ocean somewhere out there? Cause I know it's a set of islands where they were exploding.
3: It totally depends on which version you're talking about. Um, but yeah, is it supposed to be off Tahiti? I don't know if that's just the 1997 version or if, cause there's also when Hiroshima happens. Yeah. Right here the, with the, new- the first movie is Hiroshima in 1950s. Um, But this is more like Rain of Fire. I think the original is he's awoken because he's been asleep for a long time. Then they got into radiation. They said, wow, really? The radiation could have caused this smaller thing to become larger. And then you've got the idea that he's actually a super prehistoric creature again, the way it originally was.
0: (laughs)
1: Whoa. Did we lose you, Exertus? Uh, They don't want us to know about the Godzilla, bro.
2: This is... What's interesting is I was just talking about uh, Skull and Bones yesterday with uh, author Chris Milligan, and he was talking about how you know oil and the scientific uses of what they called rock oil at the time that led to petroleum. Uh, you know, th- this is all coming from the same people that basically. Studied the dinosaur for the first time. That's where that whole fossil fuel connection possibly comes from. And we're talking about dinosaurs being like radiated by, uh, you know, and mutating and things like that. I mean, it's interesting. It's far fetched, but I think there's a there's a certain logic in like the the creation of the dinosaur dinosaur epic story, mm-hmm. and like the people who funded the great. Uh, reset the world's fair initiative type, like resetting how people thought about the world. Uh, Dinosaurs were a part of that. Oil was a part of that. And that's why there's like that link between like fossil fuels and like the dinosaur. You have Sinclair oil that uses a dinosaur as their logo. Sinclair is a very, very wealthy and connected family going back before the, uh, discovery of oil but yeah yeah Yale University it all comes back to them and they have a triceratops of all creatures the triceratops a huge triceratops statue right out front of the Peabody Museum so yeah the guy who basically pushed dinosaurs into the mainstream with paleontology his name was uh Othaniel Marsh and he was in this battle with this other paleontologists to see who could come up with the most dinosaurs so you know some people may interpret that as like a scientific challenge where they were honestly trying to find as many species as they could Uh, i tend to think it may have been just like a a way of them one-upping each other and they just played like you know put a part here and and you know created all these different dinosaurs out of the same skeleton even though you know they would like maybe move bones around or something to mm-hmm. to make it look like a different animal right i mean again it's a, it's speculative i'm speculating but there's a lot of uh, christian fundamentalists who call the whole dinosaur thing into question so it's worth is worth looking into not that i'm coming at it from that fundamentalist angle uh, i do see how dinosaurs contribute to like this narrative that oh yeah the god from the bible isn't real uh and, and whatnot which i don't know how we got into that from godzilla but the whole uh <laughs> mutant thing is interesting consider we talked about x-men here's the, here's the x-man he's back i so sorry
3: this thing is like like
2: flat it just shut off on me twice. we're
1: on to something bro they don't want us to know about where godzilla yeah, came from
3: godzilla where'd you
2: go what were you about <sighs> to
3: play but yeah, they brought him back the the Reign of Fire idea that a thousand years goes by where this beast sleeps and then rises, and there are other titans. It's a titan. There are other titans like Mothra. Very Lovecraftian. Moth. Yeah, exactly. But not necessarily evil. See, Lovecraft always has, not always, but kind of all, is, leads towards a negative view. My Mothra favorite, is not just a negative.
1: My favorite one of Lovecraft is when he, he was super racist. Uh, Where the monster was the black person. Like, that was like the big reveal. It's like, oh, he's black, boom. And then they. (laughs) they,
3: That's kind of my point. Yeah. It's like Freud. There's some issues with Lovecraft. 100%. 100%. Yeah. But he, he latched onto something important, which is that beyond the veil, there's something that's unseeable. It doesn't mean it's ugly. It doesn't have to be. We all often assume that it's important that we warn people because you're kissing the corpse bride beyond the veil. So you want, it's the Zohar. You want to make sure that you're not just going into this expecting it to be perfect. Um, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need, that kind of thing. But yeah, so Godzilla, a lot of these Titans, are trapped for a thousand years at a time by some sort of a superhuman, whatever Athenian Hellenistic <clears throat> transhumanist, superhumanistic character, whichever civilization has the Jesus of that time or the Hercules or something of that time um, has to trap it. And then eventually it comes back and that's, that's what reign of fire was Rain of fire. Is such a terrible movie, but at the same time, it's not because it's, it seemed so ridiculous. And now I think the more ridiculous the movie is, the more true it probably is. because like, who came up with this? This is such a terrible story probably just because that's just what really happened to people and they're just reciting it.
1: Can we name the episode kissing the corpse bride? I feel like it's relevant because we've I like it. We've unveiled right? we're unveiling the, whatever this reality is that I don't even know anymore, but talking about just different aspects of it. Right.
3: <laughs> it's a long <laughs> wedding because you have this process, you know, at first you um, is it Isaac in the Bible? No, Jacob, who sleeps on the pillow, he marries the girl three times. He marries three sisters. First he he likes this girl. The master says, Yeah, you can have my daughter if you work for three years. Works for three years, goes through the whole wedding. Uh, she got the veil on, goes through then at the in the room, the unveil and he realizes he's just married the ugly daughter. Oh He's like, What? <laughs> Lame. <laughs> my oldest daughter, you know, she needed to get married. How about you work in her three years and you can have the other daughter? So he works in her like three years. I think that's how it works. And then he gets the second, which is still not the one he wanted. He's like, are you kidding me? I tried to make sure this time, but they did like a whole switcheroo. And he's like, I can't believe you do. They're just really messing with me. Like, All right, three more years. So it's like almost 10 years into this, he finally gets to marry the girl he loved when she was like a teenager, but now she's like 30, you know?
1: So it's like the the chemical wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz where he's got a Choose and there's the, the seven so that... there's
3: not yeah and so you got nine years or something you're going through and event you're walking up right you're walking up and you have to here comes the bride and you have to stand there and you have to do all these vows and the whole time the opponent that you're marrying is veiled that is that is your that is your life right and you cannot be the husband in that relationship right you, you tend to be really your you become the corpse bride Because you're the one who's marrying the husband in a relationship where you don't have the understanding of what's going on. It's like, it's a kind of terrible reality, but also it's our choice. It's our choice to choose to become part of it.
1: Well, it's like the whole thing of like, you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares back into you type of thing. Is that like you become the monster that you're hunting for? (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's that's another thing that can't be escaped. Think about everyone who's ever tried to stop the conspiracy and stop the elite, and how they always become the thing that they hated, or or something worse. But you know, Che Guevara or something. It's not a great metaphor, but people that were like, "Oh, I have to stop the elite," and then they become the dictators. That's what we all do. Or the woke becoming the fascists. It's just it's like Bernie stopped saying,
1: "We got to get the millionaires," because he's a millionaire now. He's he's one of them. He's yeah, one of the elites.
3: Just don't tax people with two lake houses, right? Yeah, so.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay, so where where do we go from here? Because we talked <laughs> we talked about magic influencers, AI, alchemy, homunculus. What are you working on over there, Mark?
2: Uh, I just uh, stepped away, so I'm trying to yeah. figure out what you guys are talking about. I'm I'm working on a lot. If you're asking me what I've been doing lately, I gave a few. Tours this week around New Haven, which was cool. Nice. So that's what I've been up to.
1: You have that's what's legit. What's that called? Psychogeography. There's another one that.
2: Hmm. So
1: yeah,
3: that, that tour Terrier. No, I'll
1: what tell you so... which one I'm talking yeah. about right now. Hold on.
3: I'm still hung up on Planet of the Apes.
1: Uh, what? What about Planet of the Apes? I mean. <clears throat> Environmental psychology is what I meant. So environmental psychology is a branch of psychology that explores the relationship between humans and the external world. No, that's not that's not that one either. Hold on.
3: Still a good term. I like that. That that's probably what I'm into about planet of the Psychogeography.
1: Yeah, the exploration of urban environments that emphasizes interpersonal connections to places and arbitrary routes.
3: That's legit. Hmm.
1: Huh. I'm thinking
3: about Planet of the Apes because it came out in 1968, which is the same year that 2001 came out. And the fact that you've got the chimpanzees and they're banging on with the head (laughs) in front of the monolith. So there's a definite correlation between the two movies. And Charlton Heston, who is Moses in the Ten Commandments, is now with the chimpanzees. And he's letting my people go, get your hands off me, you damn dirty apes. And his line is, God damn them all to hell. But it's rated G because even though it came out two months after the censor board came, he said, no, 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 I'm not cursing. I'm literally just asking God to damn these people to hell for what they did at the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But the whole thing with humanity could lose what makes it essential, what makes it prime, and that we could become animals again if we're not taught, while something else could be uplifted, something else, any other species could start to evolve. And I think this is another unanticipated thing, just beyond like AI and transhumanism. With technology, right now they're able to record pigs and understand what they're saying. What AI can record it, use a recursive neural net, understand what the different swine calls are, and the facial expressions of birds and the chirps and everything else of other animals. And we're at the verge of amb- ambassadorial communication with animals, right? To understand with and communicate with them directly.
1: that's you always you always do this bro. you always throw some crazy ass thing and then you just like gloss over and you just keep on saying so hold on i have to look this up so you're you're talking about planet of the apes 1968 right and a 2001 space odyssey also 1968
3: they might be in the the, i'll send you the link here also to the pig calls um article might be in the same universe I think they are in the same universe, and they're also the fact the fact that they came out in the same year, they're in the same public audiences subconscious, which is more important, right? They are in the they're in a more physically real universe. Oof. Yeah,
1: I like that. I like that a lot.
3: And there's a sequel. There's a number of sequels that people don't think about, but the sequel is Beneath the Planet of the Apes. (laughs) Beneath
1: the Planet
3: of the Apes? Yeah. The sequel is where they go out to the Forbidden Zone where they find that humanoid Whoa. psychics live underground. What?
1: I never, I've never, i never heard of this one, bro.
3: It's freaking nuts. So there's a, there's two societies going on, and the apes are dealing with it. And so maybe we don't realize the apes aren't the apex of the Earth. Maybe they still are, just the ones that are running the surface that are kind of Sheep keeping the regular humans, like the Morlocks and Eloy and the time machine. Eleven that...
1: it's more than eleven months old. I'm sorry. Yeah, just continue.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. There's ton this has gotten so much crazier since here. I mean, they're able to tell pigs where to go, convince them in arguments. I mean, it's imagine convincing a pig. It's just out of control where we're at with this.
1: Whoa! Okay, so back to this planet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm writing these out down because I gotta. I gotta watch this. I, I know. I'm. I've seen 2001: Space obviously, so many times. I mean, And right. in the, in the follow up too.
3: Exactly. So the context of 2001 with Planet of the Apes is the thing. Planet of the Apes. Really, I hadn't thought about its connection to it before, but it is. It's very. It's very much about it, and about as the man is becoming the star gate or he's becoming the star child he's transhumanizing at the end of 2001 um the end of that scene kind of feels like the beginning of planet of the apes where he's put into this uh, holy mountain yodorowsky like trial which is this monkey trial right and from it he realizes so much but it's cut off at the end so that the next movie you find out that there's this deeper anunnaki or human cannibal civilization that is superior and has learned to not need to speak because they become psychics. So they're so far advanced, but they're probably also evil and cannibalistic. So they just let everyone do what they do on the surface while they control it from under the foundation, which if that's not literally about Agartha, it's at least metaphorically true about our status quo, but it also might just be true, which is interesting. There might just be underground that there really are some, this is what mythology tells us. Something survived these resets and might be able to do it, while we keep getting sunburnt every time.
1: The guy from Florida talked about
3: con- old world Florida, Doctor Narco.
1: No, no, no. The 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 cult, the Chorus I believe it was that he talked about oh. the, the, like the clamshell Earth, or tea,
3: or Cypress Teed. No, is that right? Chorus Teed.
1: Let's see if I can... It's like Cyrus Teed or something like that.
3: Yeah, Koresh, he called him. Cyrus,
1: Cyrus Teed, yeah, there we, go, there we go. He got shocked into believing he was like the reincarnation of Jesus Christ or something.
3: <laughs> right, but there's some, that even that starts to make sense. The idea that we're inside out and that this is the surface of, of the inner crust and that the hyper-resolute density at the center is like a black hole that's holding all the data. Ooh. Sort of similar to how you zoom in on Google Maps.
1: So you know I have a book by by this guy. He wrote a couple of books and one of the books he talked they talk about at this at this compound that they had in Florida where Henry Ford and and Edison and all these guys would go there and meet up right. that they were trying to make a homunculus there.
3: Right. And I it's ha- in clear it's in clear channel right where Scientologists ended up yes. taking over since then. Yes.
1: So it's like hinting at some sort of energetic thing or whatever is going on pointing exactly at that so okay wow yeah i'm still Man, kind of I
3: wonder about i wonder about ford and magic a lot actually because one of the uh early mandala effects that's in illuminatus trilogy is like Fenord, right so f- the idea that fjord or something that ford used to be spelled with a j or they in the book it's ignored with an N, but that's a subgenius kind of joke of it. But some people remember it being spelled with a J, or they remember there being kind of an accent over the O to the R that's kind of gone now or something. And a lot of people feel that in the 60s that there was that change, So which is interesting around the Cuban Missile Crisis, nuclear, and all that other stuff.
1: So the, the Henry connection to Florida, because – Edison and Henry Ford were boys, and they were here in Florida, <laughs> and they were they were these dudes were alchemists. All right, they were alchemists, and I say this because yes, Edison had a whole laboratory which you can go visit in yeah. in Florida. You can go Edison's visit.
3: Made so underplayed because Nikola Tesla. We we've actually made it look like we shouldn't even look into Edison, and if you look into his direct energy. Uh, direct current and motors and this is actual alchemy it's pretty impressive
1: he, dude he was trying to extend his life that's the elixir of of eternal life he was trying to find it because right. he was sickly also henry came down fire firestone was with them as well All these robber barons were doing this this road trip around that narco Longo's done a video on that but i've talked about the henry's of Florida. there's like i want to say 13 or 14 henry's in total you have henry flagler henry ford henry b plant Henry, I said Sanford already. Henry San Sanford, Henry Titus, Henry Clay. You have all these different Henrys in Florida. And
3: if we go Probably about eight of
1: them, no, there's like no, there's like twelve or thirteen. I don't have. I have the names written down somewhere. But the idea that Henry means he who rules in a line. Well, what, what were all these guys? They were robber barons. They were train. The locomotives and if you look at the locomotive it's a sort of alchemical vessel. it transforms coal into power right there the, you have the transmutation of one thing into another and if you look at florida what's florida well people come here to die so they're being transmutated to the next dimension wow, now it is henry he who rules in a line can be kind of sort of tied into king right a person who rules now during and i'm drawing from seshari's work mark handprint of Atlas, he talks about how during Atlantean times, a king was an alchemical catalysts, catalyst for his people, quite literally like his body, like he would power his people. So it makes sense that the last frontier is Florida, right? And all these Henry's are coming here and they're literally seeding the state into like this sort of almost new Atlantis type of feel to it, right? Like this John D. Rockefeller was Henry, Flagler, Henry Henry Flagler was John D. Rockefeller's right-hand man. And he was like boys with him as well. So you have all these John D., right? It's, I always say that people are like, oh, what the fuck does the matter? Well, oh, John D. So uh, you have one? The, <laughs> the body of the king serves as, it, as this alchemical catalyst for the people. Well, if you think about all these boxes in these pyramids and how they would probably lay in there. And give up their body like the vimanas were powered by what the mm. chakras of whoever was powering it. So I really the whole Henry enigma to that it was like a, you know a homage to the Atlantean kings that would power their people. And here we have mm. Edison trying to find the elixir of life. We have the the fountain of youth. They're buying all these springs around Florida and all these things. You know, this, people have talked about this before, but. These dudes were 100% alchemists. Firestone was trying to grow rubber trees here in Florida. They had they had impl- they had implanted all these trees from around the world, trying to do what? Trying to do something. I mean, they're they're doing something
3: at at Ponce Leon's spot for the Fountain of Eternal Youth, right? Trying to find the, the Eternal Youth, That's, which this is where Exertus, Yeah,
1: hear me out. Hear me out. This is gonna sound crazy, and Mark's gonna roll his eyes and he's gonna be like, "What is he doing?" I think that Ponce... De- so check it out. Hear me out. I think Ponce de Leon was a homunculus. Why do I say this? What, oh, what fucking evidence do you have, Juan? Well, if we want to follow alternative history, there's the lure that Christopher Columbus or Crystal Ball Columbus was actually kind of St. Germain, Mark. And we know that Juan Ponce de Leon... And John D. both met Crystal Crystal Ball Columbus. So, what is part... How tall was uh Juan Ponce? Oh, he was like five feet. Okay. They don't know exactly when he was born. Okay. And also, what's part of the homunculus lore? Well, finding treasures. And what was he trying to find? The... Fountain of Youth was was a treasure, a relic of some sort, of this weird mystical thing, and also Juan Ponce de Leon, the Pounce of the Lion. I mean, that's an alchemical, right? The lion, the green lion eating the sun. If that's not alchemical, then I don't know what is. So I think that he was some sort of either homunculus. And if you look at David Miscavige, whatever his name is, the dude's five three, bro. Look right. at Tom Cruise is super short. Kevin Hart is super short. I think that we are being run in this world by Homunculus. There, I said it.
3: <laughs> David Miscavige, I'm just going to stand over here so don't get me in trouble.
1: Sorry. Oh, man. No, I was listening no, to the last podcast on the left, and they were talking about Scientology. So,
3: I mean, here's my thought on Pondstead Land. Did you see the new Jungle Cruise movie? Disney's Jungle no, Cruise movie? No, I didn't. Movie? So Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, stars as the homunculus then, by all accounts. The deal is he's this Jungle Cruise guide, and he takes you to find the, like, is it the Skulled City or the Fountain of Youth or this chalice? Is it the, uh, I forget. But once he's down there, you find out he's actually been there for 500 years. He came from Portugal or Spain or something as a Don't ruin the movie explorer. for us, Exartus. Ugh. Exploitation of spoilers. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. You'll have to put that there. Spoiler alert. C- Corpse Bride. Um, that's wrong movie. Prince? Th- this mo- John this King? Is the, what? This is the thing. It's actually based on some real people. And I think there's actually some truth to this idea that somebody gets to this immortal place. They become immortal. They don't want to be immortal. And they try to die until someone else can take away the curse from them. Right? That's no, they the, pass
1: it on to the person that takes it away from them. They trick them. It should them.
3: be like in Indiana Jones, like Indiana Jones should be stuck there, like with the cup. That's the way it should have worked, basically.
1: Yeah, he passes it on to the next person that that helps them get rid of it. So it's like, here, you take this curse and I'm out. Yeah. But also, part of alchemy is that when you create the magnum opus, you are able to live forever. You're able to step outside of space and time. So it's like the light from the thing happening transforms your DNA you turn to a a, what Jay Widener calls a homo luminous so like this next evolutionary step of mankind that they're trying to stop us from I mean
3: that makes a lot of sense about the veda right like the gods have these homunculus which are the populations that then when they die their whole soul and collective experiences go back to the top experience which is why also it doesn't matter if you remember anything because you're just a vessel for the experiences for the main Oof. process. Damn. We are all homunculus.
1: Bro, I think that's <laughs> going to be the title of
2: the episode. We are all...
1: Now
3: Now I saw Mark smirk. <laughs> there is Mark smirk. There it was. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. he's like, he's like, I had to sneeze. That wasn't... The...
3: He's like, not me. I'm not a homunculus.
1: No, he's a Nephilim. He's like 13 foot tall. You have red hair too, Mark? All right, yeah, dude. You're. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna hit the button, dude.
2: I <laughs> have a red, right. red beard, not hair.
1: I have I have little red hairs too. Um, so what I was gonna pull up, I was gonna pull up the video of me in Old World Florida at the Flagler Mansion that we took. I took a video of him, and he. the the, the one of the biggest trees. I think it's a. I want to say it's a kapok tree. I want to say. Hmm. So,
2: a so, baobab tree.
1: So, it's a giant kapok, Yeah, k tree next to the Whitehall. So, here I am recording with Marco K-pop Longo.
2: Tree. Yeah, I saw a giant... different post about baobab trees, <laughs> which are from Africa and mysteriously there are a few of them in Florida that are really old so they they wonder the, how they got there.
1: This is the oldest house in Florida, I think it was or something like that or in this county or in Palm Beach maybe. Could be wrong on that. How old? I forgot. I we went up to it and I lo- we looked at it but I didn't record anything. So this is the tree it's giant when you when you stand next to Going
2: it over the fence?
1: No, you can't go over the fence. They put up a fence here. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it grew uh, over it. Yeah.
2: Over the fence. Wow.
1: This thing is massive, oh, though, dude.
2: The fence. How old is that fence? How long did it take for that root to just absorb the whole fence like that? Jeez.
1: I think they might have built around it, Mark. I'm not sure. Maybe if I get another angle. I don't oh, know. Maybe, if...
2: yeah, maybe the fence goes like right up to it. Who wow. knows? These people start. The fence. Wow. Look at that superstar. I know. <laughs> he gets it. He's, a, he's, he's Mr. Hollywood, Florida down there, dude.
1: Yeah, he's a celebrity. He's 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 a he's a he's a eccentric guy. I mean, he's he's. I love I Narco. Love,
3: I love Narco. Yeah, Doctor Narco's great.
1: So yeah, we 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 went there, and there's something again about that place. And also, I forgot where it was that. I think. Hold on, let me look this up. I think Henry Ford's soul is in some jar or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> So Henry uh, yeah. Ford. Yes,
3: go on. Tell me more. Ford,
1: yeah. Oh, so he moved to West Palm Beach. Henry Ford became a, a believer of reincarnation. Believer?
2: Is he also like? Is that something to do with Justin Bieber? Why would you say believer? I'm just being stupid. So,
1: <laughs> collection unofficially known as Henry Ford tributes. Da da da. So the wall hanging. What he had this wall? Is this his?
3: What is this? Is it a duck? I don't, even I
1: don't even know. Oh, it's God. a obelisk with three pyramids, some eye-looking thing, and then this... A,
3: sp- a sphinx wearing a gas mask? I don't even... I can't tell <laughs> what's going on.
1: So, I could have swore I read somewhere where they have his soul in, in a little jar somewhere in Florida where he died. But I'll have to look into that.
3: Is that like a colloquialism for flatulence, or are we talking like his geist <laughs> from some sort of... Alchemical ritual. I
1: who knows? I mean, I think that these dudes were able to tap into some sort of reincarnation. So he That's did an the thing, interview, they were so into magic. You know? So he did an interview. So, he, uh, and I can't, this is not a Wikipedia, but an interview appeared in San Francisco Examiner 26 in 1928. It says, I adopted the theory of reincarnation when I was 26. Religion offered nothing to the point, even work could not give me complete satisfaction. Work is futile, we could not utilize. The experience we collect in one in one life in the next. When I discovered reincarnation, it was as if I found universal plan. I realized that there was a chance to work out my ideas. Time was no longer limited. Yikes! That sounds really weird. I was no longer a slave to the hands of the clock. Genius is exper- What
2: I mean, dude, these I'll do- read this with some gusto. There's people listening. So think, <clears throat> what's wrong with that? A man, a man comes to the conclusion that. His life is not as uh, futile as he may have thought because of the no, world one that the
3: given
1: one of the most wealthiest people. They're probably hiding some sort of secret from the masses.
3: Uh, I mean, these. Yeah, these... some skeleton key thing where they can body leave
2: generation yes. after five next, right? I guess, in context of who Ford is, it's not exactly.
3: The fact that he starts by saying work is, or he doesn't start, but he brings up work as the main reason, it seems to me that he believes in this because he's discovered some sort of mechanism yes. for producing the next...
1: altered carbon. So, genius. See John Malkovich, right? Yeah. Genius is experience. Some seem to think that it is a gift or talent, but it is the fruit of long experience in many lives. Some are older, older souls than others. And so they know more. The discovery of reincarnation put my mind at ease. If you preserve a record of this conversation, write it so that it puts men's minds at ease. I would like to communicate to others the calmness that the long view of life gives us. Interesting. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's just like... He discovered Buddhism, you know. Like I feel like that's pretty Zen uh, for someone like Ford to come to the conclusion. Obviously, he probably didn't implement that much. I heard he created some kind of slave colony in in uh, <laughs> South America. You ever heard of Fordlandia? Right. No, I've never heard of that. Yeah.
3: yeah, he was trying to get in on the banana republic experience, but he also was doing that kind of an Orwellian um, or no Robert Owen Owenism. Own is he was trying to do a social corporate estate where everyone was taken care of and they didn't need to own anything because if they own things they'd spend it on alcohol probably anyway and he didn't trust people to make their own decisions he's like if they could make their own decisions they should be out making their own decisions maybe the first time around as a human or something they need to be controlled by me and that's that's kind of what a lot of these social dictators do.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm just thinking about. It. I mean, again, this dude was. I don't know, man. Does this does this look like a face to you of a, of a lizard person?
3: Definitely, but also the idea that the world changed around him. Have you ever seen his car, the Edsel? I think I have. So the idea that he had built this giant empire, and then somehow in the '60s he'd upset enough people that. Maybe there's a space-time war that excludes or includes him. That things have changed, and that that's why the mandala effect with the the Ford, Fjord, Nord logo is one of the first mandala effects of the 60s and 70s when they built their first linear accelerators in the United States in order to uh, you know shift things. So I feel like he might have gotten the short end of a stick, you know, for that reason. And he does get a lot of criticism from the elite. The elite seemed to take all of his ideas, use everything he says, and then sort of, you know, lambast him for being terrible.
1: 800 or 900 bucks was the first. The, the, the car came as a two-seater runabout for 800 and 900 All oh, the $900 four-seater. Wow. Right.
3: I mean, these were originally he bought factories to produce, uh, built the paint get the rubber, produce all the things themselves so they would all have one possible black. He wanted the entire world to, bl- to drive a black Model T, not to paint in different colors, just have all black Model Ts. Wow. Uniformity, you know. And then the iPhone is like that, right? Uniformity.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, boys, we're almost at the two-hour mark, I think. You
3: guys want to... Mm-hmm.
1: Any concluding thoughts, exertus or Mark? You guys want to throw in there while we... Wrap this up.
3: Are we making each other into homunculi by impacting the universe with our culture? Memes.
1: memetics, right? memetics the spread of ideas. And yeah, I think so. I think, I think, yeah, I consider myself an alchemist. We're transmuting the ideas of people real time and, and people are having connections. I mean, you made me have connections on there that I, and I wouldn't have otherwise had if it wasn't for this conversation, which is the fun part about podcasting and, and the curse right the, also the curse cuz you want to keep looking for more and keep going down these rabbit holes
2: so culture is an egregore so yeah i guess memes are like its little tulpa's moving around affecting people in different ways with lives of their own um hopefully the podcast helps people overstand these things not understand or you know be be like you know succumb to these things like that's the goal of talking about this stuff you know i'm i've at least learned a ton from uh exertus Juan, sorry i can't say the same you've taught me some but compared to (laughs) so
3: sassy it's okay compared to (laughs) exertus
2: it's just like the supercomputer so but no i'm just joking with you this is i think really i enjoy i mean i didn't talk much this episode but i enjoy thinking about these ideas uh, I know you said like, oh, sometimes a pessimism can lead to cynicism, and I've been there before. And ever since I started podcasting, you know, you'd think like the last three or four years would be a time when people could get real cynical, but I think I've I've, I've warmed up. I think it's I've ha- I have more hope than ever. So although the world seems to be crumbling around us, I think we could uh, use our powers. Our powers combine. <laughs> And that um,
3: I'm, I'm more and more interested in the alchemy of conversation. I spent the last few weeks not doing shows and kind of like researching inward, going like outside, you know, it's been a while since I've been outside. It's negative 20 degrees in Minnesota. So back in I'm mean, in California, it, you can go outside. So the more that I spend time thinking about how communication should work and how we can take up these subjects, Put them into a certain sort of formula of conversation that allows for each one of us to catalyze new ideas, That's that seems interesting the same way music is. And I, w- I want to develop that more. I think that that's a format that's not just fun to see. It's also really useful for producing um, like a think tank. And I think that's something that people notice. That's why people watch these kinds of shows. So I'm more and more excited by podcasting because it feels productive. But it's it's not the podcasting; it's just literally we're having these conversations and we're sharing them with a thousand people or thousands of people,
1: millions of people, millions. Dude,
3: we're gonna get it's there. gonna be with everybody, everybody on the earth.
1: We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Go plug our stuff. Go find me at the Juan, on Juan Podcast at the Juan on Juan Podcast. I know Mark. You said I say it too fast. The Juan on Juanpodcast.com, all major social media platforms. Mark Exertus, take it away.
2: My, friends, uh, my family, your... somecrazy.com. That's where you can find everything. Make sure you're subscribed on the RSS feeds. And if you're listening to this uh, on my feed, support Juan, support Exertus. Uh, Exertus, where could they find you?
3: Andreas, www.Andreas.me or Exertus.com. But Andreas Exertus on Twitter, Andreas Exertus on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe and click notifications. And I'll be making videos every day starting again Monday. So we'll get back to what we do.
1: Amazing. Thanks
3: for thanks for watching this show and thanks for being here with our friends. And join the Discord at Tartarinova.com. That way you can also get some of their videos because Juan and Mark's videos automatically just poof! They just poof! They they boost directly to the Discord, so you can get them whenever they come out.
1: Oh, really? And, uh, That's cool.
3: Yeah, cut robots. Great, That's
1: dope. Thank you so Me much. Too. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for being here. This was fun. We'll have to do it again very soon. And as always, everyone, see you on the other side. Hello to Mark's people. Hello to Exertus people. And catch you guys Hasta and see you soon, vista,
3: baby. <laughs>